Hey everyone, happy 2020. One of my resolutions this year is to teach more golf on the internet. And I've been looking for inspiration on how to get a small business going. And one of the themes that keeps coming up anymore with all the distractions online, the, uh, the only really way to effectively sell yourself is to start branding yourself. People are tired of the constant barrage of sales pitches and they want someone to provide value. So that's my goal and my social media stuff is to use it as a tool to provide more value. And uh, one of the areas that I think that I can help is uh, I like to say that I like to teach golfers to play golf. And part of branding is to have like a slogan or a, a logo or something. So a while back, I established a, a circus bear as my Clay Winnell golf logo. And that was inspired by this Alan Watts uh, lecture when he talks about a man who has a fight with a circus bear. So let me see if I can play this and uh, we'll stop and start it. And I'll kind of say how it affected my view of playing golf professionally when I was in the the thick of it and the inspiration that I drew from this lecture and what I think it can uh, teach you. So here we go. Alan Watts on uh, the circus bear. It's a story about a man who has a fight with a circus bear. And uh, the, the bear reads his mind and always forestalls any attack that he makes on it. There's absolutely nothing he can do to get past the bear. And so in the same way, you might imagine a guru who is a mind reader, and he always knows if you decide before you act. And if you do, you see the devil will catch you. Okay, we'll stop there. So how does a mind reading circus bear or a mind reading guru relate to golf? Well, We'll get into it more as this continues on, but basically think of this as trying to guide your golf swing during the swing and how Alan Watts is basically indirectly making the, the point that you cannot effectively guide your golf swing uh, with any consistency. Instead, you see of deciding that you won't be an alcoholic anymore. The only thing to do is not to drink without any previous decision on this matter. But how can anyone do that, you see? That's the question. How can I decide not to decide? How can I announce that I won't make any announcement without making an announcement? You see, there is no way out of that bind. How can you make an announcement without making an announcement? How can you decide not to decide? How can you swing the golf club without trying to swing the golf club? Try as you may. You go on and on and on, trying as Herigl did to release the bowstring without thinking first to release it. But then, strangely enough, one day the thing happened. He did it. All right, so why is Alan Watts talking about Herigl? Who's Herigl? Well, uh, this article from jamesclear.com 
explains that uh, in the 1920s, a German professor named uh, Eugen, or probably Eugene Harrigal moved to Japan. He came to teach philosophy at a university a few hours northeast of Tokyo in a city called Sendai. To deepen his understanding of Japanese culture, Harrigal began training in Kyudo, the Japanese martial art of archery. He was taught by a legendary archer named Awa Kenzo. Kenzo was convinced that beginners should master the fundamentals of archery before attempting to shoot at a real target, and he took this method to the extreme. For the first four years of his training, Harrigal was only allowed to shoot at a roll of straw just seven feet away. So this is basically like a golf instructor only allowing a beginner golfer to, you know, chip and putt for the first four years of learning golf. Um, okay, so when Harrigal complained of the incredibly slow pace, his teacher replied, the way to the goal is not to be measured. Of what importance are weeks, months, or years? When he was finally permitted to shoot at more distant targets, Harrigal's performance was dismal. The arrows flew off course and he became more discouraged with each wayward shot. During a particularly humbling session, Harrigal stated that his problem must be poor aim. There's a lot in that that golfers can relate to. You go on and on, go into the range time and time again, and it's just terrible. You're hopeless. You got no chance. Uh, Kenzo, however, looked at his student and replied that it was not whether one aimed, but how one approached the task that determined the outcome. It's not how you aim, but how you approach the task that determines the outcome. It's all about a process. Frustrated with the reply, Harrigal blurted out, then you ought to be able to hit it blindfolded. Kenzo paused for a moment and then said, come to see me this evening. Archery in the dark. After night had fallen, the two men returned to the courtyard where the practice hall was located. Kenzo walked to his usual shooting location, now with the target hidden in the dark. The archery master proceeded through his normal routine, settled into his firing stance, drew the bowstring tight, and released the first arrow into the darkness. Recalling the event later, Harrigal wrote, I knew from the sound that it, hit, it had hit the target. Immediately, Kenzo drew a second arrow and again fired into the night. Harrigal jumped up and ran across the courtyard to inspect the target. In his book, Zen in the Art of Archery, he wrote, When I switched on the light over the target stand, I discovered to my amazement that the first bow was lodged full in the middle of the back, while the second arrow had splintered the butt of the first and plowed through the shaft before embedding itself beside it. Kenzo had hit a double bullseye without being able to see the target. Next chapter, everything is aiming. Great archery masters often teach that everything is aiming. Where you place your feet, how you hold the bow, the way you breathe during the release of the arrow, it all determines the end result. In the case of Awakenzo, the master archer was so mindful of the process that led to an accurate shot that he was able to replicate the exact series of internal movements even without seeing the external target. This complete awareness of the body and the mind in relation to the goal is known as Zan Shin. And that's part of going into a, um, in a more Western uh, understanding of that. It would be a really specific pre-shot routine. Uh, almost all famous golfers are going to be able to write down basically a thesis of every intricacy of their pre-shot routine and have a good reason for why they do everything that they do in order to produce the shot that they want to hit.
Zanshin is a word commonly used throughout Japanese martial arts to refer to a state of relaxed alertness. Relaxed alertness is um, another way of saying something that Stephen Yellen's program works on um, called nonspecific awareness. There's different brain waves that are activated when you're in a state of nonspecific awareness or relaxed alertness. Literally translated, Zenshin means the mind with no remainder. In other words, the mind completely focused on action and fixated on the task at hand. Zenshin is being constantly aware of your body, mind, and surroundings without stressing yourself. It is effortless vigilance. You can think about putting along these same lines. This is how I think about putting. Uh, I used to be very average, but once I changed my focus on creating as good of a process as I can every time and really focusing my entire mental bandwidth on just visualizing the ball rolling the way I want it to roll to go in the cup, that informs and educates a proper stroke, assuming that you have acceptable fundamentals. Remember, the beginning of this, he didn't let the guy shoot the arrow at anything more than seven feet in front of him for four years. So Moral of the story is your fundamentals have to be good. This doesn't just come out of nowhere. But once your fundamentals are good, then all of a sudden your job is to change your mindset onto creating as good of a process as you can and uh, forgetting the outcome because the outcome will only follow a good process. <clears throat> this article talks about the enemy of improvement. There's a famous Japanese proverb that says, after winning the battle, tighten your helmet. In other words, the battle does not end when you win. The battle only ends when you get lazy, when you lose your sense of commitment, and when you stop paying attention. This is Zen Shin as well, the act of living with alertness, regardless of whether the goal has already been achieved. We can carry this philosophy into many areas of life, the article continues. Writing, uh, the battle does not end when you publish a book. It ends when you consider yourself a finished product, when you lose the vigilance needed to consider improving your craft. Or in fitness, the battle does not end when you hit a personal record. It ends when you lose concentration and skip workouts or when you lose perspective and overtrain. Entrepreneurship, the battle is, does not end when you make a big sale. It ends when you get cocky and complacent. The enemy of improvement is neither failure nor success. The enemy of improvement is boredom, fatigue, and lack of concentration. The enemy of improvement is a lack of commitment to the process because the process is everything. Okay, then it goes on to talk about the art of Zen Shin in everyday life. One should approach all activities and situations with the same sincerity, the same intensity, and the same awareness that one has with a bow and arrow in hand. We live in a world obsessed with results. Like Herigl, we have the tendency to put so much emphasis on whether or not the arrow hits the target. If, however, we put that intensity and focus and sincerity into the process, where we place our feet, how we hold the bow, how we breathe during the release of the arrow, then always hitting the bullseye is simply a side effect. Think about putting. You want to be a good putter? Put making the putt on the back burner. Focus on what you can control. Focus on your setup. Focus on your visualization. Uh, the point is not to worry about hitting the target. The point is to fall in love with the boredom of doing the work and embrace each piece of the process. The point is to take that moment of Zanshin, the moment of complete awareness and focus and carry it with you everywhere in life. People say, you know, you gotta be focused out there on the golf course, but it's a specific type of focus and a certain area of focus. 
It's not the target that matters. It's not the finish line that matters. It is the way we approach the goal that matters. Everything is aiming. So, and, and more technically, when Alan Watts talks about he's trying to release the bowstring without thinking first to release it, think about that. So I think I'm, I'm not a target shooter, but I'm pretty sure if you're squeezing the trigger on a, on a pistol, the reason you're doing that is that the shot kind of wants to come as a bit of surprise. Because if you're trying to pull the trigger, it's going to be, it's not going to be very fluid. It's going to be herky jerky and you're going to miss your mark. So the shot almost comes as like a side effect or a surprise of a good process of slowly pulling the trigger or, or letting the bowstring go without thinking first to release it. I'm not actively trying to release the bowstring. I'm trying to draw it back to a point where the conditions are sufficient, where the, the string is just going to fire on its own. So that's what uh, Alan Watts is, is alluding to here. Okay, let's keep going. And this is involved in our learning of almost all techniques that we work and work to achieve that final point of perfection. And it doesn't come, it doesn't come, and then one day it happens. Well, Mr. Alan Watts, Harrigold just practice, 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 you know, practice makes perfect. That's why he was able to release the bowstring without thinking first to release it, right? Now, what is the reason for that? Is it simply, and this is really, you know, the way it's usually explained, but this is an oversimplification. It is not that we have practiced it so often that it suddenly becomes perfect. It is much more subtle than that. What happens is that we've practiced so often that we find out we can't do it. And it happens at the moment you know you can't do it. When you reach a certain point of despair, when you know that you are the one weird child who will never be able to swim, at that moment you're swimming. All of a sudden, instead of trying to swim, you're just swimming. Or instead of trying to hit a good shot and you've hit a million bad shots that day and you've kind of just given up and you just swing and then you hit the one shot that keeps you coming back. Because the desperation and the total inability to do it at all has brought you to a point which we might call don't care. You stop trying. You stop not trying, trying to get it that way. You just have arrived at the insight that your decision, your will, doesn't have any part in the thing at all. And that's what you needed to know. You've overcome, you see, the illusion of having a separate ego. So here he's going back to what we read in the article about the archer, that the guy was trying to stress upon his student that the only thing that matters is becoming fascinated with the art of setting up properly. And that's the only thing that you can focus on. As soon as you become outcome oriented, then you've lost the plot and um, you can't effectively do anything consistently if you're doing it to gain something. The trick is just to swim, not try to swim. Uh, the trick is just to swing, not try to swing a certain way. 
And there is, of course, practice that goes into creating a good natural swing, just like the archery student had to go through years of fundamentals before he was allowed to hit a longer target. But uh, that's basically what he's talking about here, that there's this feeling in all of us, sort of like this observer that we feel like is separate from the rest of our body, almost kind of like sitting behind our eyeballs, like dictating what we're going to try to do. And the way that you quiet down that voice is to become totally engrossed in whatever task you're doing. In the case of golf, the task at hand is to move a ball to a target. And as long as you're thinking about that, your head's in the right space. But as soon as you think about score or any outside thing, time to reset and start over. There is no way of telling anyone that that's an illusion and getting appropriate action because we are thoroughly indoctrinated with the idea that it's real. And if I say, well, I'm going to get rid of my ego, that's what the Taoists call beating a drum in search of a fugitive. He hears you coming. <laughs> Beating a drum in search of a fugitive reminds me of a recent conversation I had with Sean on the Grown Man Radio podcast. He was, we were talking about putting, and um, I, I talked about how when I'm putting my best, it's almost an out-of-body experience. And he asked me, well, am I trying to have an out-of-body experience? Am I trying to pretend like Sean Canan, you know, the dad, the father, the funeral home director is not here right now? And And I said, well... No, you're all again, all you can do is is be totally engrossed in what you're trying to do, in this case, rolling a ball into a hole. So that becomes your entire focus and uh, anything that's on the side. If you're trying to make the putt to save yourself money or you're trying to make your the putt to get a birdie, that's gonna prohibit you from getting to the right headspace, which feels like an out-of-body experience. So you can't try to have an out-of-body experience. It just happens as a result of uh, be, being fully engrossed in whatever you're doing. So uh, the, the, the ego, that is to say, the illusion of having a separate will and a separate eye center that can be an effective agent, that cannot be overcome by a decision which seems to be centered in the ego you might as well put out fire with fire. If you have the yips around the green and you say, well, I'm just not going to yip it this time, you're not searching in the right spot. The way to get rid of the yips is to look at your technique, and if the technique is okay, then look at your mindset. Are you fully engrossed in hitting the shot to a target, or are you worrying about the fundamentals too much? It can come only when an attempt to act from the ego center has been revealed to be completely futile. Then the thing happens because you've really discovered that it was after all an illusion. Hope you enjoyed that lecture. I know it was pretty inspirational to me in helping understand some of the principles of Stephen Yellen's Fluid Motion Factor program 
and it just brought me a lot of peace and um, helped me find a method that helps me play my best golf. And that's what I love to do. I love to help golfers learn to play golf because it's a very different skill than playing swing, which most of you do on the golf course. You're trying to swing better to shoot lower scores. And I'm trying to hope to, I'm trying to hope to, I'm hoping to encourage you to try to play better, to score better. Cause I think you can play a lot better with your existing swing than you think you can. Um, as long as you remember the circus bear and, uh, just swing, don't try to swing. That's how you have a fight with a mind reading circus bear. If you're not broadcasting, which punch you're going to throw, you're just fighting. He's not going to know if you decide to hit the right hook or the left uppercut. Just swing the golf club. Don't try to swing the golf club. <laughs> 